As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that vocal shouting, it's Dainer Dave Ninimitz. It's Dainer Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast. Strowland, Paul, your day in the midst of the athletic with you on a Tuesday. And uh, Dave, there's um, how should I put this? There's a lot to touch on today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not. Uh, our, it's changed a lot from what we were talking about weeks ago. The optimism. But now we have to we have to untangle some things. Have to sort them some things out now. You know what we love to do on podcast, Dave? Time to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> Get your suitcase, unzip it. Let's take we, a look at the the, the, yeah. the heads that are. You ever you ever seen the movie uh, Very Bad Things? Because we got to drop early with a '90s movie reference. I can't remember who's in that. Uh, Christian Slater, um, Daniel Stern, Cameron Diaz. Oh, um, I have. It's a, a super dark. It yeah, is yeah, yeah. super dark. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. at one point where they open up a suitcase and there are a number of carved up body parts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like that's the unpacking we're kind of doing today. But people appreciate <laughs> going to a really dark place at the beginning and judging by my mentions and way you've been discussing this team on social media the last couple of days, I know you're already there. So let's just start <laughs> at that tone today. <laughs> by the way, that, that movie was of like a, there were a lot of movies there where people were like uh, killing a prostitute and having to get rid of the body. I feel was, like there was like a whole genre of that. Yeah. Kind of it's it's pretty remarkable. It's like, how many times can we do this? You know what? But something different happens as a result every time. Dave. Yeah, so that's I've, heard, I've heard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's 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 dive into it. Speaking of dark, let's talk about the AFC playoff picture in our open to our news. Uh, are we doing this? Are we, are we going to keep looking at the, I guess we look at it. Here's the thing, Dave. It's bleak. 
Uh, it's been it's on the eye test tells you everything you need to know right now. That said, the friggin' Colts are in the playoffs right yeah. now at six and five. So what are we talking about? Yeah, I feel like people still talk like the Chargers have a chance, and they're lower on the pecking order than the Bengals right now. Uh, like, yeah, they are bleaker. Yeah, bleaker. But it's the parody has made it so it's the sea of mediocrity there. And you look at what the Broncos did. Now, okay, I'm not trying to say the Bengals go and win five straight, but we were all writing off the Broncos at one and five or whatever they are. The so, Rams in the NFC, everybody wrote off the Rams. The Packers have a 50% yeah. chance. Now, in the world of the NFL, they find ways to keep you relevant for a while through the mediocrity. The Bengals are clearly not going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to be any kind of a real contender. They're more yeah. almost certainly not going to make the playoffs, especially due to their tiebreakers and just the look at them. But that said, mathematically yeah. and through a like just – I mean, it's not like it's not right there in front of them if they could find some way to find something that we haven't quite seen <laughs> yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it would take a, a a lot of, there's probably a 90s movie I can tie it to. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but a lot of things would have to fall very perfectly. That said, not mathematically eliminated. Not at all. Um, yeah. Joe Burrow had surgery on his wrist Monday. Um, stunning news came out of this, though, Dave. Mm. It was successful, according to Whoa. the team. I need the one time. When the team comes out and is like, um, so bad news, guys. <laughs> uh, the ampu- it's, it's been amputated. Like, it went so sideways <laughs> in there, and they just decided to start cutting, and it's a problem. Like, that's be, what I need. You would be talking to doctors who, uh, who put hooks into arms and then seeing – if they think a guy can throw a ball with a hook. Yeah, and I'm like, I have Jordan Palmer come on the podcast later to talk about <laughs> one time he he like he taught a guy with a hook to throw, <laughs> you know, 17.5 RPM revolutions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I love I love the whole concept of it having gone terribly. No, it was a uh, a let according to them successful, and the rehab process begins. All expectations for full recovery, good to go for next year. I would, I'm not going to sit here and speculate on off season and program and how it's going to be handled we have plenty of time to wring our brains over that um can't wring your brain but i'm i'm really done with it the topic (laughs) (laughs) for now for now there's just other stuff um the bengals draft slot i guess uh are we really doing this part two is 15 right now uh, right in the middle of the pack with a chance to obviously get much better or worse, depending on what where your your head is. I know a lot of Bengals fans are in the uh, tank for anyone season. Yeah. Um, That's, which, I mean, fair. We, we get to this point. I think all teams get to this point. And I can't, I don't disagree with the logic of fans that are like, just get the best pick possible. But we, we talked about this a lot back when, in the Ryan Finley period in the trying to get Burrow season that, you know, you've talked about it. It's hard to just tell a team to just shut it down. Don't try. Let's get a better pick. So that's just not going to happen. Like they're going to keep trying to win. Correct. Yes, that is correct. They are going to keep trying to win. Yes, they always do. But do you, do you understand the frustration there of fans? Like 
there is like a weird logic there versus no i get it but there's just there's that's fine like if you want to play football um with out humans involved like think about all the players and what they have to play for right now they're all playing for their lives for their careers Think about it's not just guys in contract years like Chidabe Wuzier and DJ Reader, super prideful dudes, T. Higgins, whatever, that have a lot to prove that they still have left in the tank down the stretch. Everybody's playing for their for their careers. So you go tell these guys. I, just, I hate that conversation. These guys are out here trying to win and trying to prove prove to themselves and the rest of the league they can do it to feed themselves and their families and take care of themselves like stop it with that if they lose you can feel better as a fan if that's solace that's great right but that's all it is that's all it is i i don't the conversation doesn't need to go any other direction we did this in the understanding of the tank for Tua, which turned out to be the tank for Burrow movement, which turned out to be the greatest game in the history of the National <laughs> Football League between the Bengals and Dolphins. And I and and I, and that was fine at that point. It's just not what this point yeah. is right now. I mean, the difference between success rate of picking 17th versus eighth, ninth, tenth, there it's there's some, but you're yeah. gonna look, you're gonna get Plenty of good. There's plenty of good players available, and I'm, we're not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go into draft season in full. But I mean, you know, yeah, it it makes more sense when you're when you're staring at a franchise quarterback, or if you're like the Bears right now and you've got two of the top five picks, yeah, that you know you can leverage for other things. I, I think you you know you're gonna hear the the hard Brock Bowers push, um, which would take you probably having to go up to the top five or six to get him. But it's probably best everybody not think that's going to happen, basically. That they're going well, to try. And, and thinking whatever they think, the Bengals are going out there trying to win games every week the rest yeah. of the way. And, and that's that's what it is. And it'll land where it lands. Um, yeah. And and they'll take that. Um, yeah. and, and you know what? In early snapshot view from reading Dane Brugler, a lot of receivers, a lot of offensive linemen. Uh, tackles in particular, uh, a ton of them in the top of this draft. And for this team right now, that's good news. That's the snapshot that we need right now is there will be plenty uh, to choose from. Um, there always is. So let's um, – this week, injury-wise, uh, Zach Taylor saying Higgins, Cam Taylor-Britt, Logan Wilson all with a chance to play Monday Night Football, TBD. That Everything's a day later this week with Monday night, so we won't be back there until Thursday to see practice, who's up, who's doing it. Obviously, you know, Higgins didn't go last week. He, it was, you know, them pointing out he was still 16 days from the hamstring uh, happening really you know, less than less than three weeks because it happened in the practice week. And so um, – a better chance that he can happen this week, but it's, it's, it's hard to know exactly where that will land. Um, But those were kind of the updates there. Uh, We talked to Brian Callahan uh, for a while, and obviously there's a lot going on with uh, residual angst from what happened offensively on Sunday against the Steelers in the first game for Jake Browning and the lack of running game. I, you know, a few notes 
I think were that he kind of was talking about how I think there's a lot of nuance here when you only run 43 plays, like (laughs) everything is very, very magnified. And I tried to, I, I tried to break it down in my story Sunday when I took a closer look at actually after we recorded the podcast and the walkout about, you know, you tell me what you would do. And I think there's a, there's a balance there in, these early downs and when, when our run or pass situations and, and, and what you want to do, well, you'll look at what they did on those downs in the first three quarters where it was a either one decision. They ran six times for 10 yards on, in those situational spots and they passed 10 times completing eight for a hundred yards and, and three scrambles for nine. I mean, so if you were given another chance, what would you do? (laughs) Run it? Would you continue with that six rushes for 10? Or would you go ahead and go for the guy who was throwing 10 yards per attempt? I'm Brian Callahan said, look, I, I I'm not out here, not trying to run the ball. We tried, duo we tried wide zone we tried counter and none of them were working they were all just not executed it was just guys not doing it right and not making the play and that's not working versus they were seeing something he said i'm just trying to keep myself out of third and nine against tj watt and those pass rushers and at a certain point you have to make that call and he said i don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that the more times you run it the better it gets um and that's who they've been. Yeah. Like that's who they are philosophically. That's and they've been one of the most pass heavy teams in football, along with other teams with top quarterbacks. And just because you have a backup out there doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's time to go run the ball for two yards for carry over and over again. I mean, what what would be worse? Yeah going with the thing that's not working more or just trying to do something that that is and I'm not excusing so much of what went wrong I'm just saying when there's a when you were talking about such a small sample size of plays you're dealing with and to to be having such little success continue banging your head against the wall and that's a balance I mean it's a balance that you have that you have to run on on on, on which direction you want to go in those situations. The Bengals have always kind of leaned towards the, the controlled underneath passing game. It's who they've been um, as an extension of the running game. And a lot of the league does that too. Um, but that's kind of how they, they have dealt with that. And, and so it, when it looks terrible, it's terrible and the execution is terrible. And they did, they, there was a lot of things schematically you would love to see to be better, but it's, it's hard to be like, no, keep banging your head against the wall um, in those situations. Yeah, well, I think I I get that from a standpoint of that game. If you're just looking at that game in particular in a microscope, I think what's frustrating is to be in week 12 and there's no seeming ability to deviate from that. That, uh, you know, you talked about it the other night, you wrote about it, that their offensive line just isn't built really for for converting into that but you look around and the other teams with good quarterbacks 
in some cases, you know, Kansas City can turn to Isaiah Pacheco and just start ramming it down your throat. Maybe not to the extent that he's, you know, the best running back in the league, but to not be able to do it at all. Um, and then to have an offensive line that doesn't seem adept at doing that is concerning because it was pretty much it's pretty much saying we put all our eggs in the basket of this one type of offense with this quarterback and when it doesn't work we're screwed so you know can they can they adjust from this point forward to make that work or is brian callahan basically saying we can't do that i you know i think you can evolve but i do think that yeah they are screwed without burrow we knew that before the season started and and that and that's not and that would be the case no matter anything like yeah. i mean and so they everything is built through him being there and i think that's that's that that's a a part of how they set it up with these big massive offensive linemen that are built to push downhill and 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 hold the pocket firm and let burrow process and everything run through that there's a lot i mean it gets exposed when he's not in there yeah. um but i do but I, I i don't do you, i mean you, in fairness, what what everybody's called for is having an offensive line that protects him. You know, we we were watching him yeah. get hit just mercilessly his first couple of years in the league. So, the line has built more to do that. Yes, um, not to run. Right. So <laughs> they're just not. They they got guys that are better, that are bigger, less athletic. Yeah. Pass protectors. Yeah. So that's the that overcorrection worked in the sense that it opened up the passing game more, but now the, theoretically, the after, yeah, the, the after, yeah, the after effect of that is now you can't run the ball. Yeah, and another side of that is you know people uh, miss you miss Burrow in the run game as yeah. well. You know, first and second down versus a light box, uh, yeah. they had a hundred percent pass rate. there was no there was no checking to a run against the light box 75 percent is their average the last couple years with burrow i mean it's 25 percent of not taking advantage of a single light box all they they ran into heavy boxes all day yeah and they said afterwards you know the run checks were he, he was fine in all the run checks but again you're not getting the the got him spread out burrow just checks to a play that they didn't even call um for a for a run up the middle or for a qb draw or whatever that stuff didn't exist and you're just you're a little less able to get into the right call um when they come out in a different look or a light box or you got to adjust to that on the fly you know what i mean like you can so anyway i think that's that's also again there's not an excuse i'm just saying this is trying to be explanatory uh, um some of the conversation about how these things evolved and went down chase brown thing i know is a, is is a thing i th- and we'll probably get in that with mo here um in, in a second it sounds like you know we've kind of heard some of this before but this sounded like a more obvious for his quote for his sake and ours we're going to find out if he can help us like okay we get it, it, it we're, we're just i don't you know hard to understand why he wasn't more involved outside of the fact there were only eight rushes and yeah. you do you do have a already have a quarterback in his first start are you going to put a running back out there who's also kind of in his first time in that situation next to him is is part of it probably um but it does sound like the push to get him more involved should be coming but of course who knows um i'm on that uh before mo comes i have a story kind of on the Bengals getting punched in the mouth in the afc north that i mentioned the other day but it, it had me do some digging into 
a, a few different numbers that I thought were interesting. So my Paul's got stats owed to Jay. Jay's Jay's obviously has more stats, yeah. but I yours, yours is like yours is like store brand got stats. Yeah. <laughs> Generic. Yeah. The, the, the Kroger yeah. brand Paul's got stats. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you go to the pharmacy and it's what's what's <laughs> Lex and Desafram? Right? That's what that's what you've got. That's what you yeah. got right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So how about some, you want defensive sad or let's start with defensive sad or AFC North sad. Mm, let's go defensive sad. All right. Defensive sad. How about things they're last in? <laughs> oh, okay. It's like the a Bengals, jeopardy category. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Bengals defense is last in the NFL in defensive success rate at only 51%. The Bengals defense is last in the NFL in yards per attempt allowed at 8.1. The Bengals defense is last in the NFL in explosive play percentage. Bengals fans are well aware of that, having watched this team at 13.5%. Now the average in the NFL is 10.4. The Bengals defense is last in the NFL in snaps per splash play. So, you know. Tackles for loss, passes batted down, pass breakups, interceptions, forced fumbles. So to recap, <laughs> <laughs> they are the worst at being consistently good. They are the worst <laughs> at stopping the passer from making big plays. And they are the worst at making big plays themselves. <sighs> Those seem like really important general elements of yeah. defensive play over the course of a season uh, to take stock of. That was pretty jarring as I started just kind of parsing through a few. They kind of kept piling up uh, on me there. And so they'll, you'll hear a lot of, well, yards, not points, and they have been good in goal to go and gotten some red zone turnovers for in the last six games that have kind of helped them save face. But they're still 23rd overall in points allowed per drive this year um, yeah. after being – top 10 each of the last two seasons, um, seventh and eighth. And so there you go. I mean, that's, there's problems everywhere right now. Yeah. And that's just kind of, that kind of brings them into a little bit better view. Um, oh, they're also 31st in yards allowed per rush and rush success percentage. Um, 20 set 27th in rush success percentage. Sorry. I shorted them there. The uh, the thing about the thing about the run game, and we talked about getting punched in the face of the AFC North. If you want some sad AFC North stats now, I, I did. I did that. This was a this was a true like ode to Jay. I went back through every year of the AFC North, so twenty two seasons of its current form, all four teams, eighty eight individual seasons, and looked at rushing stats in. AFC North play, so divisional play, right? Most rushed Bengals are on pace to allow 1,041 rushing yards in 
the AFC North play this year through four games. That's a projection to six. Um, That would be most 88th of 88 <laughs> in the history of this grand division um, with a few sparkling seasons from the Browns and Bengals in the 2000s. Um, I mean, if you want to look up the 2011 Browns and, and see how that felt, uh, you could. They had 1,011. That was the second worst. Nobody else over 1,000 there. Um, I also looked up, hey, let's talk about success percentage. They'd be 77th out of 88. Yards per carry allowed, they'd be 81st out of 88. I, what's your metric that you like, right? Do you want consistency? Yeah. Do you want it not to be a lot of yards because they've been on the field too much, and that's partially from the offense. That's partially from a number of things, um, you know. All of it, it all adds up to inability to stop the run against AFC North teams. And they've played from behind, but so be it. At a certain point, like, here's the play. You got to go stop it. And they've just gotten beat up at the point of attack. They've missed tons of tackles. And in this division, like, teams will just punch you in the face. And that's exactly what this year has been with their zero and four, and they haven't had Burrow to counter. They yeah. haven't had a, they haven't had Burrow healthy in any of those games. Yeah, you know, to, at least not to complete to complete the Ravens game and the rest. He was he was dealing with, uh, you know, the calf. So yeah. that's that makes it harder. But still, this is just this is strictly filtering down to defense, and that's those are just. Stunning numbers when you consider what this team was supposed to be defensively and where they're currently at. Yeah. And by contrast, since we're talking about the division, you always know what you're going to get with the Steelers and the Ravens defenses, like for as long as we can remember. And that consistency, um, I think, is what buoys them. And even when their offenses aren't great, keeps them right there in the hunt. So it's it's an interesting contrast to look at that. Um, I think out of all of that, Personally, I think the stat that is they're the worst at consistently or being good consistently or whatever. How'd you say it? The defense success percentage, yeah. So, I mean, it's play to play. Most percentage of successful plays on defense. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you got to have that. You know, I I guess I'm always in the business of placing blame like fans. Yes. Let's (laughs) do it. Where, where do you go with that? Is this is are are we seeing cracks in Lou Anarumo at this point? Is this just a personnel issue? Um, I, I think. Well, I think the stunner for me has been how the de- defensive line has disappointed this year. I yeah. I think we all looked at that group and looked at the front line, looked at the depth, the amount of investment they put into it from a draft capital standpoint, with a high, a lot of high young draft picks in the background. Yeah. Um, and the frontline guys that were all proven, right? Top of the game types in their 20s. I mean, these aren't aging. They weren't relying on age veterans. I mean, say what you want to about Hubbard and Hendrickson and Reader. They're still in their 20s. You're not talking about guys who are 31, 32, 33. And so when you have that, and for that to be not getting the splash plays, not getting enough pressure, their pressure rate hasn't been near high enough. Um when that's the case, that's just a stunner for me. And then you throw onto it 
all the moving parts and the youth that they've had. Look, Lou told us at the combine, I'm going in the tank if I lose Jesse and Vaughn, right? So it's proven itself. You can, it's proven itself to not be so easy. And obviously the Nick Scott experiment has been uh, a disaster. Um, And that's played out as well. So when you're talking about those things, that combination adds up. It's always a little bit of everything. Now you're seeing the youth movement, which is a part of the the solve here. Miles Murphy's starting to play a little better. Okay, he had fifty his first fifty four pass rushes of the season. He had three pressures. He's had eight in his last. He's had eight in his last. Wait, hold on. He's he had three for three and nine pass rushes on Sunday. Yeah, I mean. Three pressures in a sack. That's great. He had three pressures in his first 39 times a season, eight in his last 54. The uptick has happened is my point. You're seeing him come around. Battle is obviously figuring it out and looking like he could be a staple. DJ Turner, for the couple times we've seen him be burnt, some of the issues he's had as a whole has been a really solid dude as a rookie corner. That's got a really nice foundation. You're seeing that as a solve all coming back. Um, but, you know, for this year, you you thought it would be better right now. But the fix is in these young guys continuing to play and, and evolve. Yeah. Well, it's crazy to think how much we talked about the defensive front and just the embarrassment of riches that they had coming into the season. And then now we're looking at that as somewhat of a problem. We're still wondering what's happened to Joseph Asai. Um, yeah. Th- that's a weird one to me because it just seemed like he was ready to break out this year. But uh, interesting stats to to see that they've struggled kind of across the board. Yeah. It's been it's been it's been a tough, a tough watch to, yeah. to say the least. Re- and really, when you it, combine it all together, obviously none of it great. All right. Let's bring in our good friend and yours, Mo Egger from ESPN fifteen thirty. Here back, we're back. Uh, Mo, a lot's happened since we last talked. <laughs> it's been a couple a weeks, and two yes. weeks. Yeah, um, things are. The tone is a little different than it was two weeks ago uh, around yeah. the club. Um, and it's so familiar. it's familiar. <laughs> back to the core of for those of us that have been around this city sports scene for a while it's a little bit more of the uh a little bit more of that taste of home you know you go for thanksgiving you go back and <laughs> you see some family that you haven't seen in a couple of years and then like by the time right. the turkey is is like half eaten already arguing over who actually like you know shouldn't have said that thing to grandma in 1978 like i feel like we're right back it's just kind of like that you know when i was in the 10th grade I somehow finagled a homecoming date with the hottest girl in school. Mm. Now, up until this point, every other date, I had been a wallflower, hanging out with my buddies, making snide comments at the people who were dancing. But for homecoming 10th grade, somehow I turned on the charm and Mm -hmm. uh, got her to go to homecoming with me. And so that week, it was like Ronald McDonald Miller in can't buy me love. It was like, what is this? This is a world I'm not used to. What are we doing here? This is incredible. I don't know how to behave. What's happening to me? Is this real? Is this going to be the norm? And then after the homecoming dance, that girl never talked to me again. 
the following couple of dances, I was back to being a wallflower. And so where we were in 2021 and 2022 was, what is this? It was dating the hot girl at the homecoming. And now here we are back again. I'm up against the wall. I'm making snide comments. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of the people who are out there dancing with attractive others. That's that's how I feel like. And, and I I'm I, I'm familiar with this. I know how to handle this. I could yes. do this. I've I've got lots of practice doing this, just like I had lots of practice standing up against the wall. Well, speaking of that, this is an this is an old one that for 16 years was used pretty religiously. And I'll just start it with this. Where you stand with the head coach right now? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know because I, I don't want to ignore. I don't want to ignore the success that they've had. I, I don't want to ignore the, the head coaches uh, fingerprints being all over the success that they've had. I, I don't want to ignore the playoff run, which I think was an example of really good coaching in 2021. I, I don't want to I don't want to pretend those things didn't happen. I, I don't want to pretend that they're they happen, you know, so long ago that they almost don't matter anymore. At, at the same time, this season's been really uneven, and that's putting it gently. That's not all on the head coach, but it's partially because of the head coach. And on Sunday, what I saw was one team say what you want about Mike Tomlin not challenging what I thought was a pretty obvious touchdown. I saw one team that found a way to get it done, and their hallmark. People aren't going to like hearing this. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I think of, they find a way to get it done. They find a way to be relevant. They find a way to just figure it out. And with the Bengals, the inability to figure it out and the very sobering uh, admission that we don't have the creativity to, to tap into parts of our offense that you didn't see on Sunday. That's pretty damning. So is the four and 20 record without Joe Burrow as the starting quarterback. Um. And so I don't, I don't know. I, it feels like you're, you're wasting your breath. If you're going to yell and scream that they need a new head coach. If Marvin Lewis got 16 years and never won a playoff game, Zach Taylor will be the coach for our great grandkids. uh, Assuming he's still alive because he's won five, but I just, Tony Pike and I have talked about this a lot. I, I, I can't help but wonder like, is from an offensive standpoint, which is where Zach Taylor's background lies, is there just a better, more effective, more efficient way of doing things? The you wrote about it in 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 your post game wrap up of the offense, and you know folks are going to say, well, you can't run the ball against the Steelers. Well, okay, but don't you have to kind of try? Don't you have to try running the ball, doing some things that are different than just pounding it up the middle with a running back who whose best days are behind him. They didn't use Chase Brown at all. As you wrote, you know, there was nothing, no outside runs, no creativity, no jet sweeps. And this is maybe a clumsy comparison, but like we're, we're in the, the, the creativity market, right? With what we do for a living. And there are times, man, we don't have to be that creative. It's called football season, but late February when there's nothing going on, I still got three hours to do. I can't just go, well, look at the calendar. There's nothing going on. Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor basically admitted that on Sunday. Oh, look at the opponent. <laughs> Sorry, we. you just admitted to not being creative enough to figure it out. You think Andy Reid would ever say that? Maybe he would. 
I don't think he would. Do, do you think Kyle Shanahan would go? <laughs> That's just life against Pittsburgh. Boy, the, what unfolded on Sunday was troubling. But the excuses for it were really troubling for yeah. a coaching staff that as a fan, I've I've come to appreciate that was that was really troubling on Sunday and yesterday. Yeah, there's so there's a couple. I. I hesitate, honestly. I mean, with all transparency, I hesitate to dive into this debate too much because mm-hmm. I feel like the moment in the in this particular time, the moment it looks like you're coming to the defense of or trying to rationalize um, anything with with particularly the coaching staff. You come off a shill for Zach Taylor, right. company guy, go work for Bengals.com, right? I, I try to approach this through a few logical and rational lenses. And here's mm-hmm. here's a couple that are kind of, that are piggybacking off of yours here. One, you're right. Everyone's wasting their breath if they want to say he's going to get fired. It's not happening. So this is a, that's a stupid conversation to go down. Right. It's not going to happen. He was six twenty five and one with zero proven success, and everyone stayed. Okay, <laughs> and now you know he's been to the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game, and was four and one with a healthy Burrow this year. And so that is not going to change. He let me say this. Mike Brown will will not be alive for another head coach of the Bengals. I feel right. and th- and that's not me being morbid here uh right. with Mike Brown. I'm saying that Mike knows how close he got to his lifelong football dream happening with Zach Taylor at the head and he knows what where he's at. Okay? Like he's with that guy and this and this quarterback. So that so to me that I, I just I feel like I don't like wasting too much time with what people like to yell about. That, look, do you want to be Carolina? Do you want to no. be what Cleveland was? Do you no. look at the around the division? Look at Tomlin. Look at Harbaugh. Continuity plays here. Knowing this, especially with a front office that isn't going to change, the the connection of understanding each other is big. You don't want to restart that over again. You don't want to potentially screw with what Burrow's like, man. Zach's my guy. He gave me full control. You brought in some mm-hmm. guy who took it from me. Nobody. That's not a good idea for anybody. Right. And so that, that being understood, I don't like spending too much time um, on it. The, the record without Burrow, the, the thing is wh- they have built this team to be Burrow's team, mm-hmm. obviously. Cause guess what? They are screwed without Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. They, no matter what, I don't care who's the coach. I mean, you right. can say put people can point to Brock Purdy and like yeah, I, I I I know there's examples, right? It mm-hmm. happens, but I, I think that I care more about twenty six and eleven and five and two in the postseason the last three years with a healthy Joe Burrow, sure, and then I do about four and twenty without because your ability to to work with a star quarterback and find what makes it work through the types of receivers, the types of linemen, the types of plays, the types of power that guy needs to have to feel comfortable and understand that he's the CEO of this organization is a, is, is a bigger part of it than anything else. That doesn't mean that the other stuff doesn't need to be better. 
at all. Like that all is a like the stuff that's not not adjusting well enough is is something that needs to be looked into the mirror. But to me, it doesn't trump how good the rest of it has been. Mm-hmm. It, does that make sense? Like totally. I think that's a, I think that's a balance that I that I I want to that I try to walk here in understanding both sides of it. And when people just want to kind of go directly to the fire everyone this sucks right conversation which which I, zach, I, I the nuance in the middle i think is important here without question zach and joe work yeah zach and joe is a power couple that's proven look at the results um we're talking about zach taylor mutually exclusive from that partnership and you know okay they, they're not winning a super bowl without joe burrow but that game on Sunday was immense. And like, I mean, c- can you imagine how we all feel about what's next if they eke out a victory and, and and what we're saying about this coaching staff and and what achievement it would be if they could just figure out a way to still be playing meaningful football by the end of the month. And so in order for that to happen, they were going to have to just figure it out against an opponent that was never going to score a lot of points that didn't score a lot of points. And it would be one thing for me if they emptied the bag of tricks, they didn't, they cowered to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you're a Bengals fan, that might be the most unacceptable thing of all. They just cowered to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think organizationally, you know, you could go, well, God, they're just not a very good running team. Uh, did we know that before the season? What was done to fix it? Right? Yeah. If you want to go, well, Joe Mixon just, he's not that effective a running back. Okay. Well, didn't we talk about that uh, a year ago? Uh, And so it's, to me, there's there's the Zach part of this, but there's also the, hey, here were some things we thought could, could happen. Some things we thought could go wrong. You didn't fix them. A- and now you're, citing the inability to do these things that you didn't fix as a reason why you can't beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, that's that's really hard, man. And that's more than just Zach. That's everybody. That's, you know, the the we, we, you and I, I remember specifically sitting with you in November of last year amid the Bengals starting to ascend and going like, what's going to happen with Joe Mixon? Understanding what we understand about running backs understanding what we're watching. And I know down the stretch, he was one of the more efficient running backs in the sport, but just mm-hmm. we talked about like, are they going to have to turn the page? And, you know, I think a lot of us agreed like it, it might make sense to do that. Not only did they not turn the page, but the guy they did draft to supplement him was finally healthy. Didn't touch the football. They didn't replace the guy who last year was the ever so important compliment to, to Joe Mixon. And now here we are in an instance where they have to lean on the running game a little bit more and we just throw up our hands and go, well, we can't do it. Like that's, well, that's tough, man. That's, yeah. that's really damning. And that goes beyond the role of the, the head coach. Yeah. There, there to me has been exposed the cl- a clear disconnect um, head coach personnel organizational fault at, you know, I've kind of called it the hubris of yeah. I just put anybody in there. 
Like, it right. don't matter. I got Burrow. I got Higgins. I got Chase and Boyd. Give me Joe Schmo at tight end. Put any guy at running back and give me a bunch of – give me a big offensive line, a big powerful offensive line, and it'll all work out. And that you won't need to be better in those other spots. And, and you know, it's not like there wasn't opportunities to add left and right. Okay. And, right. And that, that's the hard part. And, and and the and the extension of that to me, and and maybe one of the biggest problems you have when you talk about this team, and obviously the run game is very much in the spotlight right now because it hasn't been good enough all year, as Ted Karras aptly pointed out after the game, and we all have eyes and knew that already. Hmm. Is why does this happen every year? Like yeah. every year, it seems like got to rip it up, got to change it. No carryover, got to do something different. It went from wide zone to then they moved it to they changed it to this other thing. And then then it went from from zone to gap. And now we've got these we're going to put these big, powerful downhill guys and run out of the gun. And now that's not working. <laughs> and they got to try something. Why does there no carry? Why is there no consistency in be able to execute? how it works. Why does it constantly have to change every year and we have to learn on the fly midway through that part to me is the one that I don't understand is, is, is where the disconnect is happening there. It's, it never seems to have any, what it should have been maybe obvious carryover from one year to the next. Yeah. There's no, there's no identity, right? I mean, there's no identity beyond Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the identity. We, we, yeah. we understand that. And like, there's going to be a time, you know, f- folks are going to say, well, OK, you take Joe out of the equation. It doesn't matter. OK, well, for all intents and purposes, maybe it doesn't this year. But remember the 2011 season, the first game, you know, who threw A.J. Green his first touchdown pass? Bruce Gradkowski. Yeah. Like. They made the playoffs that year by a game because they won the first game because Bruce Gradkowski was serviceable enough when the coaching staff and the team was good enough to still figure it out in a very chaotic time, by the way, right? First game of the 2011 season on the road yeah. uh, after the, the off season from hell. So what if that same situation presents itself next year? Joe plays 16 and a half games, but what about that half game that he doesn't play? You just going to bag it. You just going to mail it in and go <laughs> like, I, I've I've watched a lot of people on social media yell at each other, which is I mean, yell at each other about puppies. I, you know, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> well, you're you're you know the backup quarterback, and people are making too big a deal about the backup quarterback. And I, and I feel like that conversation gets framed incorrectly often. Backup quarterback's not supposed to play seven games. In in no remotely ideal world is is that going to be the case? Backup quarterback. Let's say Sunday's game was a one-off and Joe's in concussion protocol instead of on the surgeon's table. And you know, he's going to come back next week, but God, they got to win this game against the Steelers with Jake Browning and, and just keep the thing afloat until Joe comes back next week. That's what it would have looked like. That's what it would have looked like. What if that keeps you out of the playoffs with Joe back? Like it was, that was really losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers at face value. You know, the the game was basically a pick them. I've seen that over the course of many, many, many years, but just the, the the reluctance and inability, I guess, to be remotely creative and just say, you know what? Screw it. Let's empty the bag here. Let's do some crazy stuff. 
Yeah. If ever there was a moment to experiment, that was it. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, we're probably not a playoff team. We're not a championship team. We don't have our main guy. He's having surgery tomorrow. You know what? F it. Let's go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Worst case, we're still going to lose by six to ten points because Pittsburgh is not capable of scoring all that many. Yeah. And instead it was, well, you know, we the we didn't we had plays for Chase Brown, but we didn't get to them. What were they at what point would they have gotten to them? Right. Yeah. And that was that was something I, I asked Brian specifically yesterday was why wouldn't you you know why why not just give him a drive in the first half? Like, okay, this is the Chase Brown drive to get right. him in and see how he does. So you avoid, yeah, there's eight carries. I get it. Like, but like there's gotta right. be any and his point was that's he's like, I'm not gonna make any predictions, but that's probably more what you'll see going forward because Sometimes you end up in a game where there's too much third downs and two minute drill and and you're only ran it eight times and whatever. Okay. Like that's fine. It, it just, but it seems like there's gotta be a, there has to be an intentional, there has to be an intentional effort to like, we are now going to be a team that's going to try different guys, try different things. And, and, you know, and some of it, you know, it does come down to a quarterback in his first start. You know, you have the third play of the game. Andre Yoshvash is running free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on a shot yeah. play wide right. open and, and and your quarterback doesn't see him or throw it and then and but you knew that was going to happen you yes, knew there were going to no be question. moments like that you, you that's built that's built yes. in yes. you know you you know that's going to be the case to me yes. the, the the time where they could have looked at the, the the play sheet uh and go let's let's try something different with chase brown was eight minutes to go fourth quarter they're down six and instead a couple of short passes to tanner hudson and then the sack where somehow nobody thinks to block TJ Watt. Yeah. Um, I also think from a an indictment of the coaching staff standpoint, you can kind of fold in the first game a little bit. Yeah. No, the first four. Right? Yeah. Where it where it just looked like, okay, Joe's not a hundred percent. That that sucks. They looked ill-equipped to be able to deal with that. They looked ill-equipped to be able to deal with this temporary piece of adversity that if they could just figure out a way to to get through it, they could stay afloat, give themselves a chance later in the season. So that was an indictment on the against the coaching staff. Yeah. And then Sunday was two. Now, to this point, that's bookended the season. In one, you had Joe, not 100%. In the other, you didn't have Joe. I mean, I joked yesterday, if I'm Joe Burrow, I asked for a pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm that important? But I, I th- this season, I... I you're right, man. It, it, you can you can go the lazy way and just yell and scream that the coach should be fired. That's not going to happen. I don't really believe it should happen because I think just watching it from my standpoint, there are so many positive attributes that this staff brings to the table. But I don't think this season has been a good reflection. Uh, as much as 2021 and 2022 were really good reflections of the staff in many ways that go above and beyond Joe Burrow, this season has not been a very good body of work for, for this staff. And so the, the frustration being aimed toward it, I share, I feel, and I think is justified. I, I agree. I think that's, I think that is the perfect statement on it. I agree. There has been, when you start listing the disappointments, um, the performance of a coaching staff that was 
supposed to be a massive strength of this team in terms of continuity, in yeah. terms of building it in their eyes and everything else, and and what they'd proven ability to evolve the last couple of years to help them handle the adversity of a season, and, and building the teams the way they wanted them to to not be able to adjust in the ways that were meaningful this year and seen huge spots. Um, absolutely puts them at or near the top of the list of the biggest disappointments of their year um, of the year. But that doesn't mean, you know, uh, it it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it goes all the way to the extreme of they then, then run them out. Right. And that's, that's the, that's the other, the other side of the coin. It's that, that happens as part of the conversation and that's fine. Um, But I, I think that's the best way to put it is, is yeah, it's there. That's been a, that's been amongst the disappointments for sure. Um, the same way the players have taken on in certain units that have disappointed, uh, deserve a lot of it. And, and that, and I throw Lou Anarumo in there too, obviously, sure. with, with what's happened on the defensive side of the ball. So, all right, Mo, appreciate your time. And uh, I will join you. I, I feel like we could do two more hours and we'll do at least one this afternoon. I can't there, wait. There's plenty more to touch on. So we'll, uh, oh, we'll do that. Oh, Oh, there are. There are a lot of things, a lot of yeah. stuff. Uh, I look forward to it. I will uh, I will see you uh, this afternoon at Wine Logger House. You got it. Thanks, man. All right. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thanks as always. Talking to Mo, um, it was a lot. It was a lot more fun when there were just jokes about aliens and like you know <laughs> what, what what you should think about this. But we did, we it's it's really sad when we have no time for alien talk and they're in the news. Yeah, they don't. There's, it's there's stuff happening. Yeah. No. However, we got. I mean, we got to tip our cap to Mo for immediately getting a "Can't Buy Me Love" reference. Yeah. In. And That's keeping true. that theme alive. Because <laughs> win or lose, we're going to make 80s and 90s movie and pop culture. Reference. I mean, we spent like the first three and a half minutes of this talking about <laughs> uh, very bad things, which is yeah. obscure, dark 90s comedies. I mean, let's. Yeah, we we are who we are to our core. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Let's I, I sent out for a mailbag. This has never felt like a more mailbaggy week. Uh Best most mailbaggy week we've had in a long time, I think. So I put out for Twitter to send in. If you have mailbag questions that you want to get in, of course, you know where to send. You can send them to me on an email to pdaner at theathletic.com or just on Twitter. You'll you can see uh where I put out a call for submissions there if you're still on that hellscape. Uh so feel free to do that. But so there's a few already in, Dave. You plucked a few that you'd like to uh, go through? 
Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, it's like a sneak peek of the mailbag. We'll go yeah. ahead and, and get into some of these. And the the first one touches on a lot of what we're talking about here today, a lot of what you talked about with Mo and placing blame. Uh, it is from at Hooday Disc Dad. I'm going to assume he's a disc golfer, oh, maybe I love a disc it. jockey. I don't know. But I hope I hope disc golfer. Yeah, I hope love so too. Disc golf. I hope so too. I like the guys that have the whole bag. You got drivers and putters. Well, yeah, you got to have the bag. I mean, what do you? What do you? I are mean, you serious you, about it or not? You could just be a guy out there with your whammo. Just yeah, you need to have you need to have a bag. It's got to be huge. It's got to have like eight discs on one side <laughs> and then like a pound of weed on the other. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> true to the like disc the- golf game. I just like that the discs always have names of cool animals. So it's like the shark and the wolf, the wombat. I like that they're broken down like that. Uh, anyway, he asks, <laughs> who they, Disc Dad asks, uh, when will they fire Frank Pollock, uh, who clearly hasn't developed any players and has a terrible run blocking scheme? And who would you want to replace him? Um. So... Yeah, that, this was. I think there were a couple like this. Actually, I saw one was was will Frank Pollock should Frank Pollock be fired today or yesterday? You know, it's like people. It, I will say this of of if we're talking about it, there's an, a spot where you could see a fall guy, so to speak. That would be it. Um, more than anybody else, just due to the nature of the position and. Frank was not a Zach Taylor guy. I mean, he was kind of a front office. Hey, we want Frank back. Enough yeah. with Jimmy Turner. All right, and 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 everybody understood that at the time, and and I think that was part of Zach Taylor and his staff sticking around after six twenty five and one. Um, that said, yeah, I mean, I think what's happened with the run game, everything, and what you've got up front, the amount of money that has been put into up front. Um, and, and they've come out in defense of them in pass protection all year, really. And yeah. and I do think they've been okay. I mean, it, it look, doesn't look as good when your quarterback couldn't move early. Um, but as a whole, you know, they really, even, yeah, even on Sunday, I mean, Jake Browning's responsible for two of those. And the other one was what a miscommunication, which goes back to, Inevitably to Frank up Frank Pollock on players and scheme not communicating well together in a in a big spot. Um yeah. but all that said, yeah, I think that if there were one that could be one, um I don't it's hard to have a feel for that today. Yeah. You know, I think we're a little early. It's not gonna like it's like it's gonna happen midseason. I you know, I don't know the state of Bill Callahan's job in Cleveland, other than he's been there, he signed an extension. He seems to be happy there. Brian has always said he would love to work with his dad. I I think that if Brian Callahan ever got a head coaching job, his first hire would be his dad yeah. as his offensive line coach. I've always said it's never made sense why they he hasn't been more targeted, considering all his connections to this staff, yeah. deep rooted blood connections to this staff, and back to Nebraska and everything. So. That said, that's all. If you're talking about who would I want to replace, I mean, of course, he's the most natural, obvious one that's always made the most sense in my eyes. Um, if they could find a way to pull it off, but again, all probably too early to delve very deep into that. Yeah, but, that's one thing you can count on with the Bengals. They're not going to have the David Tepper uh, mass firings mid season. No. So 
there's still time to ponder what will happen with, with that. Um, we've got a run pass or boot. Love them. Let's Sm- do them. Kyle Smith submits this. I don't know if Kyle plays disc golf or not. Let's just assume he does. Um, his run passer boot is T Higgins walks in free agency or trade Jonah Williams walks in free agency, both walk in free agency. Okay. So thinking of them as walking makes this maybe confusing as I try to answer this, I would say I'm going to run most likely scenario that they both leave. Yeah. Um, I think Jonah's going to get paid, man. Like, yeah. I, I adequate offensive tackles with right left versatility, yeah, uh, are valuable. Okay, I mean, Mike McClinchy was kind of just a guy, and look what he made. Yeah, um, Jonah's the same way. Like those, the Jonah Williamses of the world. Maybe, maybe there's a frustration for some. Uh, and it can be understandable, but average tackle play in this league is is extremely valuable, and he's going to get paid. and And I just don't know if the Bengals are going to be willing or willing to pay him that. The problem is yeah, they don't have an answer, so they have to go and okay, you're dipping back into free agency, or you're using your first round pick. Uh, in a deep tackle draft or whatever, but I, I just I think he's going to get paid, and they're not going to be willing to match it. Surprising things happen in free agency is an unpredictable business. I mean, everyone thought Jermaine Pratt was gone, and he's back. And again, really? they they will lean harder into their first contract mid twenties guys. Don't forget that. So that that you know, I think this possible. I still think it's. I think they both walk. I think. Yeah, but I think T is I think T is gone more likely. Yeah. Than Jonah. Because I think there's a chance they could keep Jonah because of offensive line, protect Burrow, knowledge of him, not wanting to again have to go to a draft pick. But T, I think the writing's on the wall because he's also going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you've now dealt with multiple years where he's always had a little bit of a nagging injury of sorts. You know there's going to be interest, whether it's a tag and trade or just letting him go. I mean, it's going to be important how they handle that to get the most out of it. I mean, to me, tag and trade is an obvious move that they should be making. But yeah. um, we don't know how that's going to play out. We've discussed that a lot over time. Uh, and I just think there's a better chance for you to fill at receiver with what you yeah. have on the roster and what you could get in the draft, especially if you add a first or second round pick in dealing yeah. him, then you could at offensive line. And I think they know that in the injury history a little bit makes me lean that way. Again, these things are surprising. They have a lot of spots to fill. So the idea of paying T Higgins, what he's going to get 25, 20 to $25 million when they could get four mid tier guys to fill all these open spots they're going to have is a, is the biggest you know is is the biggest reach yeah they're they're both such expensive positions but receiver a top tier receiver is more expensive and frankly more replaceable i i think the the problem with going back out on the free agent market to try to replace jonah is then you're going to pay a premium for an average tackle who you don't know can, right so 
whether he's the right guy and you want to pay that money or not, you're either going to have to hit on the draft and get the right guy there that's ready to plug and play, or you're just going to spend money on another Mike McGlinchey who's bouncing around out there. And Jonah also has to want to come back here. That's true, too. After what that's happened, true. like he, he did the right thing. He bottled his animosity and turned it into being a better player and focusing on getting his money. But let's not forget that when it comes time to choose, someone's probably going to say you can come play left yeah. tackle or whatever, or give him more money to do so. Yeah. And and what does that look like? So that, that's also – it takes two to tango there. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, – obviously we have lots of offseason time to dive into that, but appreciate an RPB. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next one's from at Jimmy HD. We'll assume he's in high definition, not your standard definition, Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, he's he's making this one personal. He says, "How much of the blame are you, Paul Dana Jr., oh. willing to take from this year's struggles on the back of your Super Bowl prediction?" I'm not saying it's a coincidence, but I'm also not saying it's not a coincidence. Oh, yeah i <laughs> I hated it in the moment. I hated it myself. I I was going against. I was going against my gut with logic. And I should never do that. Only talk to your own stomach about these things, okay? <laughs> and and I just I, – I didn't like doing it. And now this is part of why because you just – you feel like – I you just never can predict these things. It's too hard to think that everything's going to fall into place and go the way you think it's going to go no matter how good it looks. And so, yeah, I think it's my fault. And yeah. when we when – we, when we, Earlier, we were talking about the coaching staff disappointment and, and you know, the defensive disappointment of all the list. I, I think I'm number one. I think I'm number one. <laughs> I mean, I, I never doubted it was your fault. And yeah. I kind of felt like when you made the prediction, you I screwed hated this it. team. So. Yeah, I, I feel it. I feel it. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jimmy HD. My predictions were an SD. <laughs> Not good. Well, at least you owned up to it. It yeah. takes a big, big man to own up to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one more quick one here, and it really, it's in our wheelhouse from at Ed Helinski. If the Bengals season was made into a movie of the week, what's the ending going to be? Oh, so to me, this is set in medieval times. <laughs> okay. And, and, and I think there's, there's, a, there's an overconfident King, right? And he's feeling great. And. But then the peasants have had enough of the disrespect and he's he is torn down off his throne, hurting his wrist tendons in the process, can't fight back. And this, this movie ends with the king in his own dungeon, working out his wrist tendon with like some weights <laughs> that he found in the corner and plotting plotting his revenge right he's yeah. it's just him with a bunch of books of like maybe there's old spells and there's like maybe some old friend that he met down in that dungeon who's going to be like the number 12 overall pick in a fourth place schedule <laughs> in representation right and he's like he's like oh yes oh I, it's good to it's i've seen you down here maybe we should maybe i was too overconfident but i shall plot my revenge on this league yes yes i shall <laughs> and then it cuts right Wow. And then it cuts and then you wait for whatever the next year is. But he's but he is he's in the dungeon. The peasants have revolted and and tossed him off his throne. 
That's quite an answer. Did I go now, too I, deep? Did I go no, too I, deep? I, I'm impressed. It's like you just wrote. <laughs> I mean, it's probably no worse than most movies being pumped out now, and you didn't even use AI. So good job on that. I would AI, suggest, AI will be hosting this podcast next week. By I, the way. <laughs> I would only suggest you have the training montage music while he's while he's yeah. working out the yeah no like Rocky Four type deal. Oh yeah, definite it's training Frank montage. Alone or somebody can sing that. I, I think that'd be good. Is this like? Is this basically just Rocky Four, but in the middle? Like <laughs> this is. season was Apollo Creed, the overconfident. Yeah. I'm gonna take you out, Drago. I you think know, you may and... you may have just come up with an entire podcast for us to fill uh, coming up <laughs> as comparing the Bengals to Rocky. Yeah, movies. except except yeah. So it ends it ends in the training montage, and with the hope that next season is either a life or death fight with Drago. There you go. And then in the end, you know, you just he's just if I can change. <laughs> You, you, know, change. you know, he gave a, a pretty eloquent speech there at the end of that. And then we start the next movie and he's like practically brain dead. Like, well, was that just his last little bit of brain power? It was his, his last three neurons firing off. Yeah. Anybody can change. <laughs> I just love that they got the perfect, <laughs> that Gorbachev actor guy. Yeah. Like that guy made yes. a, a living off just being Gorbachev and things. Gorbachev. Uh, actor Gorb- Gorbachev would never in his life stand up and clap for the American. What are we doing? I just what want to see doing? that guy's resume. Just like I can play Gorbachev. That's Let me it. send you a picture. <laughs> All right. All right. Good, good, good start to our, uh, to, to our mailbag that I'm going to parse through. I'll get, I'll get to that this week, hopefully. Uh, and, and see what we can dive into there for you. So good stuff. Appreciate that. Uh, growler recap. No winners. Slow week, which is deserved. Uh, I was on vacation there for part of it. Thanks everybody for bearing with me through that. And then, like, we did, we I tossed it into the end of that other podcast, and it, so it was all kind of a mess. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I get, I'll let you off the hook on that. Not a, not a ton of, uh, uh, but I do a couple uh, from Dale Drummond. I love the smell of a growler in the morning. It smells like victory. And he said, yeah, it's a 70s, not a 90s movie, but Apocalypse now felt like a good vibe for Bengals fans. And I agree. <laughs> I agree with him on that. Uh, Brian Ramsetter with one, with one of my favorite Lebowski quotes of all time. You want a growler? I can get you a growler. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't even want to know about them. Believe me. Hell, I can get you a growler by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. That's right. <laughs> you want a toe? I get you a toe. <laughs> Amazing. Good, man. So good. Uh, anyways, no winners. Thanks everybody that submitted still for the growler. We'll be back with that later this week. Charlie Goldsmith is going to be my co-host later this week from the Inquirer. So excited to bring him on. Charlie and I love hot take Saturday night as we talked about at the uh, 50 West podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really, it's going to be hot take December. Like every night is Saturday night for the next month because it's, <laughs> it's hot take season about where to go from here with this team. So uh, I'm excited to bring him on and we'll, uh, We'll dive into a few uh, and also have some growler stuff for you leading forward to the looking at the Monday Night Football game. I'll wrap it up with Arby's. So my Arby's for this week, Dave, is Sunday I got to experience. It's one of my favorite things, and that is living both sides of the like media spectrum, right? It's like it. It can be such a force for for good feelings and 
it's such a case for just evil at the same time and working <laughs> duplicitously together that it's just amazing. And so there was a point in late in the second quarter in this game where Iron Eagle on the CBS broadcast did a delightful thing. And it was so nice. He gave a shout out, even name checking me on my story on Jake Browning. I wrote last week and it was so cool of him to do that. I, got his number and made sure to text him. Thank you. Because it's just, he, and he's like the night, he's just like one of the nicest guys ever. I'd heard that before. And he's just, just a, a super dude. And I appreciate him doing something like that. A lot of people just say that stuff and yeah. wouldn't give anybody credit or whatever. Just do that was very cool. And you saw a lot of people like responding, like my texts are blowing up. Usually anytime the phone starts blowing up and you don't know why it's like, well, no, <laughs> right. But also a bunch of people like reaching out. Oh, he said this on the broadcast and like, stuff through in in our in our work chats and then like a lot of you people on social media be like oh he, he said that I, I really that was really cool to hear that whatever very cool feelings make you feel warm inside very happy make you believe in humanity a little bit like oh you know people may people appreciated it that's so nice <laughs> and then i tweeted that i didn't think darnell washington held jermaine pratt on the Najee <laughs> harris touchdown <laughs> And the replies on it were truly, I was called every name. <laughs> Somebody, there was, I mean, there was an R word. Someone called me a wow. professional asswipe, which I well, thought was I mean, pretty good. That's fair. Yeah, I liked yeah. that, actually. You know, idiot, have you ever seen football, <laughs> screenshots, memes? And I'm like, here we go. That's that's the side that I'm you. Let's take any of the goodwill <laughs> and good feelings and let's make sure that you know how what we really think of you and your opinion on things, dude. Okay. The the funny thing on that one was I saw it right after you tweeted it. And my my initial thought was, do you really want to say that, Paul? Like no. I, I knew, I knew you. No, were I knew I didn't want to. Just for a beat. I don't know. Maybe I was just feeling high on the hog after my big shout-out. <laughs> I did mention it as like, I'm sure you'll find in the mentions underneath people that disagree with this opinion. I knew what it would do. I just, I don't know. That's what I thought. Yeah. What I thought. You should, you should have doubled down and, and said that Deontay Johnson's touchdown should have counted too, just to really fully support I the did Steelers. Say, I thought Tomlin team. should have challenged it. Yeah. I, he, that, I, thought that I think was anybody saw that he should have challenged yeah. it. That was a major There's miscue. No How does no he not have somebody in his ear? He said he didn't have good vision on it. Why are you counting on your vision? Man, why people with TV screens in front of them? John Harbaugh did it twice on Sunday night. Yeah, two first downs. He didn't like. It's weird. I don't understand how people aren't more on top of that stuff. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, so appreciate. I love all of you. Okay, I I love I love the ones that just love to come call me a professional ass wipe, and I love the ones that also say nice things sometimes. But you, you're all great. You you love Iron Eagle a little bit more. No question. It's my guy now. (laughs) <laughs> he's he is my guy iron eagle can't wait for the next iron eagle charles davis game can't wait uh all right thanks everybody for listening appreciate it great to talk to you again i'll be back uh friday this week because everything's pushed back a day uh with the monday night football game so we'll be recording on friday charlie goldsmith from the inquirer we'll get to predictions and growler bets and all the things that you come to expect and love in, in advance of Bengals Jags on Monday Night Football. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.